Did you enjoy that this morning? That was great, wasn't it? Let's pray. Lord, teach us this morning. May you be the teacher. May you be the instructor. May the thoughts and the meditations of our heart be acceptable unto you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Mark chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse 41. And then while you can keep your finger on that one, you can turn to Luke 21 as well. Look at these two passages today. Beginning with Mark 12, 41, you'll see it on the screen there as well. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched the crowds drop in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor she is, has given everything she had to live on. Now turn over to Luke 21. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. At that point, I think the disciples pulled Jesus back and said, Master, <clears throat> just a point of clarification. She just gave two mites. Some of these guys gave 10,000 drachma. Lord, come on, you know the difference. Two mites is not even close to 10,000 drachma. Don't say that she gave more when, you know, it's going to make you look bad. I mean, after all, you are the Son of God. You know everything. So you should have known this. <clears throat> no, Jesus kind of has to almost take the disciples aside and said, Yeah, I can understand that perhaps from your mentality. Because you're only thinking in terms of the world system. And when you're thinking of the world system, 10,000 drachma is more than two mites. But not in the kingdom system. Not in my world. We sing that old hymn, <clears throat> I'm just a wayfaring stranger. Or this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We think of ourselves as aliens now that we're belong to Christ, we are Christ followers, and we're in this world. And all of the things that would guard this world and, and, and things that we need to be subject to are much different in kingdom thinking. And Jesus wants to point out the fact that this woman understood kingdom giving. The woman in our text is never named in the Bible. There are only two accounts of her act given in the New Testament. She's mentioned in these two passages. And both, both sections give her story only four verses. The scene is at the temple where Jesus made it a custom, his custom to go. He went, even though the services were quite cold and dead. He never took the position that many take today, that he could worship God outside the church just as well as he could inside the church. Jesus went to God's house in spite of the failures of the leadership and the people who attended. There are those today who blame their lack of attendance on hypocrites and backsliders in the church. Folks, I've always felt 
that if you are going to successfully hide behind something, you better be smaller than the thing that you're hiding, that you're trying to hide behind. And many of us are mostly larger than what we're accusing others of. Anyway, Jesus went to the temple to worship, and since he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, his attitude about church and worship at God's house has never changed. It's the same now as it is then. Jesus is always interested in people who attend his house and call themselves Christ followers. He's also interested in their giving. He's also interested, he was interested then, he's interested now. Why? Because it shows up in us a marked and profound difference between whether or not we understand world type of giving and sacrifice and world type of charity and generosity versus kingdom generosity. Jesus doesn't poo-poo this over here, but he salutes this. I want to take you this morning a passage about, look at this passage and, and cite three things. First, I want to talk about some things about God. Then I want to talk about some things about the people who attended the service. And then third, about the woman herself. Let's get started. Number one, I want you to notice a few things about God in verse 41 through 44 of Mark. First of all, God is interested in our giving. Second, he's interested in our attitude. And third, he's interested in our generosity. Now, giving is the proactive or the reactive cycle. Attitude is by which we give it in. And the generosity is whether or not we do it in the world system or in the kingdom system. God is very interested in our giving. He's, he's, he's very interested. God has given us so much in time, talents, money. He wants us to see what he's, we're going to do with what he's given us. He's interested in our giving because when it's done right, it is an act of worship. It also shows the extent of our generosity and our selfishness. Occasionally on a Friday night, Carol and I would, occasionally we like to maybe rent a movie, and sometimes we don't even rent it. We're, we're so frugal, we go down to the library and just borrow it. And uh, typically, Carol loves to watch films that are documentaries, biographies, stories that are based on something that's been true or was true. Well, one night, we, we put it, a movie in the, in the slot, and... Uh, it wasn't a, a true movie, but it was one that had been recommended to us. It was called Sense and Sensibility. It's an old English play. This thing moves slow. <laughs> For those of you who might be action fans and enjoy an Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody of a Daniel Craig, James Bond variety, will be sadly disappointed. But about a third of the way through, you start getting captured by this thing. And you realize that this father at the beginning of the movie dies and he leaves a great fortune to his son whose shrew wife decides that she's going to see if she can keep it all. And this is all about generosity or the lack thereof in this movie. And somehow that when you're generous comes the title. You finally show some sense and you show some sensibility. And I was captured by this whole this whole film and, 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 and the lack of how people do that. And yet I saw it. It's so true today. We're trying to figure out how we can keep it. It's like the guy who performed his, uh, the fellow who uh, gave a will and it was read at his funeral. And he said, I being of sound mind kept it all. God is also interested in our failure to give here. 
The law of the harvest, the law of sowing and reaping, is seen in our giving and in our failure to give. We are looking in the text primarily at giving money, but this also has implications for our time and talents too. He realizes that there is an eternal reward and an eternal loss connected to our giving as well as into other areas of our life. I can recall and fast and rewind the tape back to 1969. I'm the Campus Crusade director here in Colorado. And I was particularly working up at the Greeley campus and we were having a almost like a revival in that in that in that area. Every Thursday night we had what was called Action Life. 3 to 400 kids jammed into these into the student union building. It was really a rocking time. It was in the 60s. The long hair, the tattoos, the rings. I mean, it was a wild time. And then once a month we'd have college life, and that was just amazing. 1,500 kids would show up to hear about Jesus. It was an amazing time in our life. One night at Action Life, a girl stood up, it was like about four weeks before the break, this, uh, the winter break, and she said, I've got some bad news. My brother, who's 21, has a rare form of cancer. It's in the fourth stage. He, they don't expect him to live through a couple months. I need to get home. I'm here on scholarship. My school bills are paid, but that's it. I don't have any money. My parents are... The only way that I could afford to come is if I got the scholarship. Would you pray with me that somehow God might figure out a way for me to get a ticket? And, of course, in fashion, we all bowed our head. We got into smaller groups of 20s and so forth and started to pray for all these requests. And, of course, this one was on the table, and we began to pray. I looked up for a minute, and here's this tall, dark-haired fellow with hair down to his waist, rings everywhere in his face, gets up and leaves. And about a half an hour later, when I'm about ready to speak, he comes in. And he says, Gene, could I just interrupt for a minute? I said, yeah. He said, uh, where's the girl that needed the ticket? And the girl raised her hand. He walked over. He said, I was just able to sell my stereo set. This cash should get you home. Now, to be really honest with you, I learned out further later about the thing that this was his most prized possession. <laughs> He was a musician. He was a music major. He was a very talented young man. He was selling off the dearest thing he had in life. <laughs> because he said it paled in comparison to her brother. You know what I thought about? I thought about, I could have written that check. I could have handed her a check that night and said, here, go fly home. Now, I realized I was on the Camps Crusade staff. We didn't make a lot of money. We didn't have the financial security of, of a young life staff member. We didn't have that. We were one step above a pauper. But I could have written that check. But you know why I didn't? Because God always chooses the way that brings Him the most honor. Can I ask you a question? Do you know the difference between kingdom generosity and giving according to the world's system of charity? Because they're both good. 
but one is great. One actually gets the attention of Jesus and actually gets some ink in the New Testament. The other is just mentioned, but never lauded by the Savior. He is so interested in ours, in our giving. God is interested in what is sacrificed to Him. You really cannot give God anything because He owns it all. But we can give Him in the sense of returning to God what He's given to us. God is interested in our sacrifice to Him. In verses 43 and 44, it says that this woman gave two mites. You know how much a mite is? It's about a fifth of a cent. So she gave two-fifths, or two mites. It's two-fifths of a cent. Obviously, it wasn't as much as 10,000 drachma. But Jesus says that her gift was much more. Much more in what way? Because it was about sacrifice. It was about all. It meant when all means all. I don't think God is interested in how much we give. I don't think He even cares about the percentage. Because He didn't care about it in the Old Testament when Moses had a chance to just nail this baby down in Exodus 34-36 through 36, when he was asked, how much should the people give? And Moses said, 10%. No, he didn't say that. He said, let each man give according to what's in his heart. God is more concerned about what you keep out of what he gives you. I remember when Rick Warren wrote his book, and it, it did profit him millions and millions of dollars. He is reverse tithing. He gives 90% away. In fact, when he got the book deal... He calculated that for the first 20 years, the church had paid him this much money. And so with the profits, he paid back the church's entire salary from the previous 20 years. And then started tithing 90%. I know, I know, if you're making $30 million a year, you can live on 10% of that. But he doesn't have to do that, you know. But he does. How much do you need to live on? How about the sense and sensibility in your life? Most of us know nothing sometimes about real sacrifice. We give God in a year what we give to feed our pets or even our bad habits. Giving is not the only sacrifice that we, or, uh, that we can give sacrifice in. We can sacrifice time in prayer, time, attendance, and service. I've known some people who have had cancer who've had arthritis. In fact, I know a gentleman with such great arthritis, but he struggles to dress himself on a Sunday morning for three and a half hours so he can come to church. I really don't think he's asking questions like, are my pants pressed? Have I got the right shirt? How's the color coordination going today? This is not a sermon to make anybody feel bad. This sermon is designed to get you out of the doldrums of thinking that it's okay to give according to the world standard and get you over to kingdom generosity. That's where the blessing lies. There's where the New Testament lauds the honor. God does not expect all of you to give the same. God did not expect the poor and the rich to give the same amount. 
But he does enjoy the sacrifice of the gift. And God did praise. God did say. He praised actually this woman from her back and not from her, to her face. There's no indication in Scripture that Jesus called her over and said, Ma'am, I just want to say thank you for what you did today. Hey, everybody, come on, gather around. I want you to see what this woman did. He didn't do that. He praised her from her back. And she went out of that temple knowing, not knowing that day how much Jesus appreciated it. I don't think she ever knew that her name got in the book of Mark and the book of Luke. Friends, I have been so blessed in my life. I've been quoted in magazines. I've written articles for magazines. I've been in conferences. I've been introduced in, in magnificent ways and all of that stuff. But I don't think I've ever drawn any ink in the New Testament. This woman did. She got eight verses. That's more than you're going to get. Or me. But we would like our thanks. And that's why when we talked about the Beatitudes, that when we go looking for our thanks, we've already got our reward already, haven't we? There's such a difference between world giving and kingdom generosity. Now I want you to notice some things about the people, the rich guys. Three things about them. Number one, can you flip that to that slide if you would, please? They gave as well. Their gifts were appreciated. And their gifts were motivated by obedience. You know, the rich were very generous here, and they gave much. And Jesus never rebuked them. He didn't rebuke them. Sometimes we get this picture and we think like, oh, those bad rich guys. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He didn't say that at all. He did not put them down for what they gave, but he lifted the woman up for how much she did. It was as if he praised their offering, but praised her offering even more. It seems all brought an offering to which all is commendable. The rich were not too busy to attend the temple. They did not use business as an excuse to stay away from the church. They were not so keyed up from a week of anxious work that they needed a weekend away from God's house. They didn't do that. They were not so lazy that they felt they needed to stay home and sleep in. In spite of their busy lives, they were at the right place at the right time for the right purpose. And they were givers and not just getters. In America, we taught our children the thrill of getting. We do this at Christmas, Easter, birthdays, and for good grades. You know, when I go home on Wednesday mornings after Iron Hour, now this week I don't have to. I get to stay up the whole week. I'm so excited about this this week. My family's coming up on Wednesday. We're going to have some fun up here. But I can remember that when I do go back, we get the grandkids on Tuesday night. And Carol has them by herself. And then Wednesday morning after Iron Hour, I get back about 9. And as I walk in, there's Sam and there's Anna and Jude. As Sam says, I'm 4, Anna's 2, and Jude is 0. He just was born. And so here's Carol, and she's standing there with Jude. And she has this look in her eyes that says, <clears throat> Help. And so I pick, quickly pick up Anna and Sam, and we jump in the car, and we make our normal Wednesday rounds to the library, which the kids love, and we read stories, and we have fun at the library, and then we go to Target. You say, Target? Yeah, they got a toy section there that 
Sam and Anna love. And Sam, who is four, going on 40, he goes down the superhero lie aisle. And uh, he, uh, he never called me grandpa. He just knows that his dad is dad, and I'm bigger than his dad, so he now calls me Big Dad. And so he says, Big Dad, can you get that up on the top shelf? So I reach up there and I get a whatever that thing is, the Thor thing with the hammer or the Batman or whatever man it is. And I bring it down. He looks at it and he goes, he looks at it for a minute. He goes, yep, this is what I'm getting for my birthday. So now we have been to Target maybe eight weeks in a row. And to Sam's count, for his birthday, he's getting the entire toy section. Is probably what he's got there. It's cute. But we sure do put it on them, don't we? With kids getting the thrill of getting. But we as parents need to do a great job in teaching them the thrill of giving. Even sharing. The idea of getting and not giving lies behind so much of the stealing and the gambling and much of the commercial advertising today. You know, the family was the original discipleship group in the Bible. And I really ask you as grandparents and parents to take the time and enjoy the gifts that you give during Christmas, but also celebrate what you're going to give to others and what they're going to do. It's not unheard of to take your kids, your grandkids, and go to the store in these next few weeks and say, now this isn't for you, but you're going to give a toy. What's their reaction? Really? But maybe I want that toy. What we're going to get, you're going to get toys, but let's teach to the thrill of giving. We're not just doing this by world's charitable measures. We're talking about kingdom generosity. Now finally, let's move to the woman herself. A few things about the woman. And I think this is really kind of interesting. The slide will come up here in a minute and you'll see that she was more interested in others. She was more interested in faith, which I think is interesting. And instead of just obedience, she was interested more in total surrender. She was interested in God and others more than herself. And this is very rare it was rare then and it's rare now. She knew that most of the money given in the temple was given to the poor and she could have rightly said, you know what, I'm just going to be giving to myself. Why don't I just keep it? And I've got two mites. Good grief. If I give 50% of what I have, that ain't too shabby. How many of those guys in there are giving 50% of what they have? She could have kept back one mite, for crying out loud. But she gave them both. It reminds me of the story back in the 1950s. When the mother sent her son out the door with uh, his Sunday school offering, and she said, here, Johnny. Now, in those days, in the early 1950s, a nickel really actually bought something. In fact, you could buy something for a penny. I know. I did it. And a nickel, that was pretty big time. You could get, did you know that for a nickel you could get an entire Milky Way candy bar, Snickers, for a nickel? So a nickel was something. And here's Johnny. He's got two nickels. And he's on his way to Sunday school, and it's like little kids, seven years old, he's playing with them, throwing them up and down, when all of a sudden, you know what happens. He drops one of the nickels. It hits the street, rolls down, and into the sewer. And he looks up and he says, Lord, sorry, that was your nickel. (laughs) 
There is a sense here where she just gave everything. And the two coins and the choice was even greater. Kingdom giving, I give one. Kingdom generosity, I give it all. Three weeks ago, after the service, Frank Butler and I were standing on the back there, and a young man came up, and I introduced him to Frank, and he said, this fellow wants to give some offering to the benevolence. you remember that, Frank? I think he handed you 57 cents. Do you know that's all he had? He had lost his job at Copper. But he was so touched by the benevolence that he decided to give what he left had left over to our benevolence fund, 57 cents. She was completely unselfish. I have a wife like that. We have people over. And she's constantly, I remember early in our marriage, she was constantly wrapping up all the leftovers. Now, there are times where, you know, I don't mind giving certain foods away, like tofu. Have the tofu. In fact, I don't think anybody should have to even pay for tofu. That, that should be a government subsidy program right there. Here, have all the tofu you want, you know. Nobody should have to pay for that stuff. But when you're giving away filet mignon, uh, the question marks used to come up in my mind when I was going, Carol, are you sure you want to give all that great roast beef away? I mean, I'd like to have some tomorrow, you know. Now, I have a great wife who's a great cook, and I did not get this big eating carrot sticks. But I know that when she first started giving all this food away, especially to our kids and, and, and when she had neighbors over and she wanted everybody to be blessed. And, and I was thinking, like, the reason she's giving that away is because she doesn't want me to eat this. And then one day, the Holy Spirit says, No, Jean, you have a wife who gets kingdom generosity. I know you look at that food and you're hopeful that there'll be a, a big sandwich in your, in your lunch pail tomorrow. And we can lift on this for leftovers, but your wife wants to share what she has with others. And for a moment there is this flood of shame and everything else because that's me talking to me. And then all of a sudden God replaces that with an overwhelming flood of blessing and says, see what I gave you. Yeah. World says, oh, we've got this much, but let's keep back this. We make sure we guard that and all of this. Now, I'm for being a good steward, and I'm, for, I'm carefully watching and, 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 and being a good steward of what God gives us. That's all well and good. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an attitude. I'm talking about an attitude that can make me go to the top or an attitude that can take me to the bottom of my life. And it's an attitude that says, mine is mine and keep your mitts off and I'll give you a little bit. And our whole idea of keeping back everything for ourselves, so much of it is rooted into, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And God says, meet a lady here, meet a lady here who's got nothing. But she gets kingdom generosity. 479,000 dollars in a month. That is amazing, folks. 
What do you say we just get the last of that done? I don't want to go back to the stories of where somebody stands up and says, my brother's got cancer. I could have met that need with that check. I don't want to be the guy that says, you know, if I had just been a little sharper, a little quicker, I could have been involved in that. But she was more interested in others than herself. She was more interested in faith and who God was in His character than she was in the character of the world. She was more interested in surrender. She trusted God to stand by her and meet her every need. She gave everything. She knew that Jesus had given His all. God had given His only begotten Son, and Jesus gave it all in Him. And when He smiled at her that day, I think in Jesus' mind He says, this woman gets it. This is what I did. She gets it too. When's the last time? that you gave, that it didn't mean you just gave a portion, that you gave out of your surplus. When's the last time you gave where it really came out of taking food off your table? When's the last time it meant that you couldn't afford whatever it was you were going to buy and you gave that away? Do we dare live in that kind of world? Do we dare to step in those areas? Is God really true to His world? Word that He will never forsake us and never leave us? And that He will give it to us pressed down, shaken together and running over? Really? I think this woman may have given to God this way because she had no other way to give. She wasn't highly educated. Her health, her station in life, her opportunities didn't afford her other means of service, but she could give. And so when she gave, she gave it all. God blessed this woman. In this one act, she showed herself to be more of a disciple of the Lord than many of the great men of faith in the Bible itself. And even names that have blazed across the pages of history as well. God took note of what she did, and God takes note of us. And one thing I'm sure, this woman never went hungry. Yeah, kingdom generosity is basically kind of give up this and instead do this. This, this week, why don't you give up grumbling and instead replace it with in everything give thanks. Constructive criticism is okay, but moaning and groaning... <laughs> Complaining are not exactly Christian disciplines. Why not give up 10 to 15 minutes in bed and instead use it for a time of devotion and prayer and personal study? Why not this week give up looking at other people's worst points and instead concentrate on their best points? We all have faults. It comes with the territory. And it's a lot easier to have people overlook your shortcomings when we overlook theirs first. Give up speaking unkindly. Instead, let your speech be generous and with understanding. It costs so little to say something kind and uplifting. How about checking the sharp tongue at the door before you walk in? Give up your hatred of anyone or anything. Instead, learn the discipline of love. I remember a lady said, I, I just, I'm done. I can't, I can't stay in this marriage. And I said, okay, you can't love him as a husband. Can you love him as a friend? No, I can't do that either. 
I said, well, you're not off the hook yet. Can you love them as your enemy? Because <laughs> Jesus says, love your enemies. Give up your worries and anxieties. Instead, trust God with them. Anxiety is spending emotional energy on something we can't do anything about. In fact, worry is better known as Satan's meditation program. Live today and let God's grace be sufficient. How about maybe even giving up TV for one night a week? <laughs> there's, a, there's a thought. And why not instead visit a sick person or someone who's lonely? Someone who's isolated by maybe illness or age. And give them the precious gift of your presence and your time. In order to be generous, it isn't just the sharing. It isn't doing the very least I can do. But it means, Lord, I'm all in. You tell me where. You tell me when. You tell me how. You point me in the direction. And I will go. Today, before we close the story, the service, I should say, we'll be taking an offering for our benevolence offering. It's that third Sunday of the month. Like Mark always says here, we have another offering, not because we didn't get enough, but because we want to go over and above. We as a Dillon Church, I believe there are so many here who get kingdom generosity. I want us all to get it. I want to even go deeper myself into this. Kingdom generosity. All in. And letting God direct our steps and our purposes. And as we give today... Uh, may you be blessed and see the need and, and, and have the opportunity to know that even if you don't know where every nickel or every dime goes, know that it's, be, it's being used to give a cup of cold water in Christ's name. Pay an electrical bill. Maybe even cover part of a, of a house payment. But it's all about kingdom generosity. Now before the ushers come, I'm going to ask Mick to come on up. And for all the elders who are here this morning, if you would come, if you're an elder, come on up right now. Pastor Mark, come on up. Any of the other pastors that are here, come on up. And we want to surround Mick. And the reason we want to do that is because this is Mick's last Sunday, as we mentioned. And we don't allow anybody to leave Dillon Community Church. We just send them out. <laughs> And Mick is heading on to some other good things with hopefully Send International and having a, a real ministry in the Czech Republic, we hope, and other things. And Mick, we want to say thank you for your work here for these last few months. And uh, uh, yeah, I think you've appreciated him too, haven't you? Yeah. He's been doing it hard. 